It's almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Joshua Fennel, Jason Jones from Mothership and Dirty South Soccer sometimes. Joe Patrick from the the game and Dirty South Soccer all the time is over there. Joe, scenario for you. You're 6'10". You're getting paid $36 million to be good at basketball. You have the basketball. It's an important game. You're three feet by the rim. No one is near you. Do you A, dunk the ball? Do you lightly <laughs> drop the ball into the cylinder? B, pass it to the guy in double coverage. Go. That was the most outrageous thing. I would, <laughs> I would I'm too scared to do anything with the basketball. So I would, uh, I would definitely, I would pass it off. Erroneous, oh. or I, I would, you know, which is an obvious mistake and something that a, a person who's not very confident, especially in his free throw shooting ability would do. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like you are uh, you are well prepared to to join the Philadelphia 76ers. That's Congratulations. Right. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you would be well prepared to join the Philadelphia Union if you're like 30, 40 yards out said, ah, going to shoot. Don't care if I'm a center <laughs> back. Here we go. And then you bounce it off the crossbar three or four times. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Oh, my gosh. It was like, yeah, we we for a second, it was almost hard to tell if it was in or not because it was it was just bouncing mm-hmm. around so much. I don't think I breathed. I think like as the <laughs> yeah. ball was bouncing up and down, I, I stopped breathing. You were I, hoping I it would take that. On. You were hoping it would take that bounce like where it reflect, mm-hmm. reflects out and then hope that it didn't go over the line. Yeah. Do you uh, are you familiar because you're a Liverpool fan and that shot reminded me of there was an old Liverpool center back named John Arna Risa. And he would like mm-hmm. he was like famous one, for yeah. those long ones. And I loved him in like FIFA 04 taking him because you could actually make him back in the day. But um, anyway, that was insane. And that's the second time Gle- Gleza's may win gold year twice. Didn't he win it last year for the I shot that everybody, I say everybody he, did, for, he scored a Galazzo and then everybody forgot about it because the pandemic happened after. It was like literally one of the last goals before <laughs> yeah. the pandemic in the last game before yeah. the pandemic. It was like yeah, the same exact type of shot, though. But as soon as he did it, everyone went, oh, he did it again. You know, it was like <laughs> yeah. one of those things that just stuck in your mind. Um, of course. Not great. It's fun to talk about because it was freaking cool, <laughs> but uh, maybe not as exciting to talk about if you're an Atlanta United fan. Another two two loss, another two nothing blown lead for Atlanta United. So I have a question for you. I know we're going to okay. obviously talk a lot about the game and the season and everything like that later, but mm-hmm. just top line DEFCON 5 being the least, you know, uh, concerned about the season. DEFCON 1 being your extremely concerned, most concerned. Where are you right now? Because I think I, I feel like the the drop points are disappointing. But again, with the MLS style, it's like, you know, you can make up for two drop points. But again, if you say that too often, then you aren't able to. So I, I, like how much does dropping the points concern you? Not so much things happen i'm most concerned that they didn't seem to learn anything Mm, yeah you know it happened the same exact way essentially happened the same exact way essentially right like there there were different variables going into it and everything like that but you get things are gonna happen it's a dumb league it's a league where like minimal amounts of things are separating teams from being really good and really really crappy in most cases right and Sometimes some dude hauls off and scores from 30 yards three times off the crossbar, right? But for Atlanta to put themselves in that position again with just some bad defending, you know, on the first goal, same thing with Nashville, right? And to give them the opportunity to have something fluky happen again, Mm -hmm. you know, that's 
frustrating, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you at least want the team to be progressing. And when they're not learning from mistakes, that's frustrating. And the overall grand scheme of things, I don't know. I think that depends on what your actual goals for this season were. Were they to return to total dominance and kill everybody? That was probably always unrealistic. Was it to comfortably make the playoffs? That was probably a little more realistic. And with that, I'm probably at like a DEFCON 3. Yeah, yeah. I'm less confident that this team will be able to make any sort of, well, shit. Are there domestic cups this year? Is there a US Open Cup this year? No one knows. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, maybe it's a good thing that there isn't one because I don't. I would feel less confident in Atlanta United's ability to uh, make a run and something like that, just considering the way that they yeah, have seemed to drop points. And I got to say, in the immediate aftermath of the game yesterday, I was kind of looking at the both Phillies goals as flukes, you know, obviously, you know, you, the Thunder Bastard and then you, the individual error by Guzan. But the more I've thought about it, it's like, yes, it was an individual error by Guzan. And look, you shouldn't have given up that goal, but you still left room for them to take that shot, you know, and 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 just leaving that little crevice opens up the possibility for something like that to happen. So, um, well, I mean, not only leaving room, but they left a guy wide open at yeah. the top of, of the box yeah. at zone 14. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. And we know about zone 14 here on five strike final. Uh, you don't you don't leave guys there. You don't leave guys yeah. there. It's a dangerous spot to leave them in, you know. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. I, right, I think yeah. there are some reasons why that that area of the pitch was a little bit wide open for, yeah. for certain reasons. And certain yeah. reasons we're definitely going to get into it. First, got to get into this, though. We want to thank Kirk Castle for the intro music. The song is thank you, Chances. Kirk. We also have a couple of housekeeping things to get to. Uh, Joe has on the show seat. How are you? Welcome back. I guess it's been a second since <laughs> yeah, we've done the main show. That was a message yeah. to you, Sam. Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Me too. Um, go ahead and uh, check out our Patreon once you get done with the main show as well. Joe has an interview with Scuffed, uh, the Scuffed Pod, Adam Bells, talking a little USMNT stuff. There's a long AMA a very self-indulgent AMA thing with us where we just talk about ourselves for like an hour and a half. It's great. Uh, got some daily shows up there as well. Kind of short newsletter-y type things. Audio newsletters is, is what we're calling those now. Oh, okay. Um, MLS Coaching Thunderdome is up there. Interview with Felipe Cardenas is up there. All of this has been recorded since we did our last show. That's kind of crazy to believe. It is, it is crazy. It's been a long time. <laughs> and, I need Lenny United to bring some like organization and structure back into my life. You especially, I mean, you you probably may, more so for well, you. We're going to, we're going to talk about like how there may not be so much organization and structure right yeah, now, true. to be totally honest. Right. Before that though, you go check out the Patreons, patreon.com slash five stripe final over 170 of you there right now, folks on the discord Lord. like that. It's too many. It's, it's obnoxious, but we love it. And we love you. We love you. We also love the fact that this is business time. Business time, Joe Patrick. First thing we want to get to is new kits. New kits, third kits released. Uh, I think it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday at the Center for Human and Civil Rights. So it was an excellent event. I really got to kind of check out the entire center as well while oh, I was nice. there. And it's awesome. Go check that out. I do need to go. I haven't, I haven't been yet. It's phenomenal. A lot of really good information and uh, affecting information is how I put it. Kit comes out though. It's very Virginia Techie, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, uh, go got that maroon and orange. Go, go keys. And 
The weird thing about that is that it almost looks more Atlanta United than the primary Atlanta United kit. <laughs> did, did you notice that at all? It kind of has the, the striping. Like, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it just kind of looks red. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it just looks more Atlanta United. I like that. I, I, I like the look of it. I like the look of it too. There was one issue though. Uh, there seems to have been a, a typo. I guess is what we're calling any kind of basic error now with with the Hebrew on the jersey, they had messages in, I believe, 13 different languages. Uh, this message was supposed to read Repair the World. Instead, it read <laughs> because it was backwards. It was backwards. Listen. It was backwards because it wasn't backwards. If you Hebrew, you read it right to left. I cannot criticize a typo. I'm the, la- I'm the last person that would be like throwing stones in a glass house. So well, it, it did happen. There's a difference between like hitting the R key when you meant to hit the E key and like doing an entire language <laughs> wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah which is it's fascinating because uh, I've talked about it before on the show, but the, the kit process lasts for almost two years. You know, you, you start with Adidas very early on. And you go through this process and you kind of pitch them what you want. You basically send them a mood board of like, here are four things we want this to be about. And so that can be colors, that can be themes, that can be anything. And Adidas takes that and runs with it. Um, And from that point, you kind of work back and forth with Adidas to to really settle on something. So somewhere along the way, this got messed up and it wasn't picked up. And that could have been as late as like when the dang thing actually got printed. Yeah. But still, it's relatively inexcusable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you might have more information or know more about this because you've studied this process. Do you think that this one may have been like expedited more, gone on a a quicker pace because it is like a third kit? It, they wouldn't have i don't know if they went when they actually found out they were going to have a third kit um, no i talked i talked to darren about it at the oh, event okay. it seemed to be that same kind of same process timeline. okay yeah same, same general process right which is interesting because they chose to go and full credit to, for them to this they chose to go with with that unity message and everything like that even before before the pandemic. Last summer yeah yeah you know yeah. um so, so they were they were on it and good idea I, I love the idea i think the general execution was good but that's um Obviously something they're not going to be happy about. It's obviously something that, that, you know, you don't want to have happen. And it's, it's unfortunate. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But live and you learn, I guess. You do. You do. They uh, can only wear those for five games anyway. They, were, they weren't going to be a major part of what Atlanta United was continually putting out there on the field. Um, so you can only wear the third kit for five games. Won't be around for long. If you got one, you have a collector's item with a little bit of misprint on it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, other news in the Atlanta United front office world, chief business officer, uh, Katie Griggs has mutually parted ways. No, I don't know if that's actually the right terminology they use. Well, I, she I believe le- they, said, they say she left, she's leaving the club. Was that she's the- leaving the club okay. and to spend time with her family and explore further options. But again, another front office member, a key front office member yeah. leaving the club. It's been a weird year for that. The rate of turnover, I would say is not necessarily normal. These things happen, you know, it, it, it's strange to see it kind of come in bunches, but when you're at Lanny United, these things are a little more high profile. Maybe it does happen a little more and we just don't really see it mm-hmm. as closely. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she, did she take over for Ann Rodriguez? Was Ann Rodriguez in that role? I believe uh, that's right. Before I Katie. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. So, um, Obviously, it's been a huge success, you know, on the business front for Atlanta United since this club has launched. So it'll be a big opportunity for whoever comes in next. Um, it's a big brand, probably as big as there is 
you know, probably Lenny Knight and an LASC, Seattle Sounders, maybe the biggest brands in MLS. Should people be panicking about the turnover, Joe? What do you think? Not this. I wouldn't really relate that because this doesn't have anything to do with on the field stuff. This is all just kind of, again, the business side of it. I, to me, this is not I have seen a lot of the kind of concern about the upheaval. But to me, this is not really relevant to a lot of that kind of upheaval that we've been talking about. Very relevant on the field, though, is the fact that Emerson Hindman has torn his <laughs> ACL. I believe it's his right knee that yep. he's done this to. It's a big loss. Uh, we we rag on Emerson, right? We we talk about it all the time about his contract and, and how he can tend to disappear at times and everything like that. But that doesn't mean that him being absent is a net positive for the team in any way. It's it's pretty pretty crappy considering that Atlanta United's midfield is already pretty pretty low stocked. If I had to kind of put a word on yeah, it, right? Yeah, it's like it's a, it. a pretty bare. <laughs> there we haven't seen mo adams in a second it's fun. like um, that was the name it's like mo adams like where is he can he play <laughs> can he, can right, he play exactly. this week <laughs> exactly and when you're we, asking we that seen Mateus a... in a second mm-hmm. and, and neither of those would be options that you'd be like all right here we go right team is going to take off now um so kind of concerning man. that Azeto was <laughs> out again it seems like he's always missing with injury or something um and that's unfortunate and you know i hadn't realized how kind of reliant that gabriel heinze has been on emerson Heinemann. i yeah. think that he had played i'm trying to pull up he the played article every now. game he's played in every game in all yeah. but seven minutes i think uh possible you know it was only substituted once so pretty crazy i hadn't realized that he was kind of that central to everything that was going on maybe it is because of all the absences and stuff but i mean i think that gabriel heinze clearly has been drilling a core unit and obviously emerson was part of that unit in the context of the league maybe emerson isn't near that top half of of midfielders right but in the context of this team he is obviously a very important piece and so the team is worse off with this and unfortunately there's no financial relief coming either he got injured a little too late Mm -hmm. which like to be really cynical about it but there's no uh, sometimes your player gets injured early in the season. They're out for the year and then you can put them on injured reserve and get some financial relief. That's that's not happening here. So, man, it's another wrinkle in what is already uh, interesting times for Atlanta. And it was already going to be an interesting summer. Now, do you have to focus and go out and talk about maybe getting in a new midfielder when you didn't have that in the plans in the first place, right? Maybe you wanted to focus on the attack, but now you kind of have to focus on the center of the park. Yeah, definitely need to look at addressing it. I don't know if it's still, if it moves up to your primary um, position of need, maybe it is. Uh, and if somebody asked about this, so we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I mean, clearly, it, you know, you, that's, that's a ton of minutes that you got to fill. And I did think that, you know, we saw yesterday, it seemed to me like there was a little bit of an adjustment from the team in terms of the way they set up tactically to try to use b- both George Bellow and Brooks Lennon, um, depending on where, what side of the ball, what side of the field the ball was on, those wingbacks were coming inside, almost play as another midfielder to try to give a little bit of support. And, you know, both of those players are more attacking players, players that want to take the ball and turn up field, which is what you want out of somebody in that role. So maybe that's something that Gabriel Heinze does. It's kind of, it's a creative solution. You know, it's not necessarily the the conventional thing to do, but I like it. I thought it was working pretty well. And I thought that especially early in the game before Philadelphia had really kind of figured out what they were doing, it caught them out a couple of times and uh, created a couple opportunities for Atlanta. Created a couple opportunities. Atlanta had trouble finishing those opportunities, though, largely because just Martinez is gone from the team. He's with the Venezuelan national team for Copa America, but appears to have tested positive 
for COVID, we understand that Joseph has already been vaccinated. Um, so we imagine, the, we can't say this for sure, but we imagine the symptoms are very, very minimal. He's at no real risk or anything like that, but we don't know how long this means that he's really going to be gone. We knew he was going to be gone for a, a pretty decent long time anyway, unless Venezuela finished fifth in their group, I think, is how this works, yep. which doesn't seem likely. Um, so could be a second. Yeah. Could be a second. There's uh I mean, there's photo evidence of Joseph being vaccinated. So I think we can be rest assured that it's not, <laughs> he's not dealing with anything serious. I did inquire to the club about if, if there was, if they knew anything. Photoshop. Cancel culture. <laughs> All fake. Uh, um, but you know, they just said the information is light. I don't know how much exactly they know. They probably know, but it's probably not a big deal. A lot of that's private. So I don't know how much they can actually even share anyway, which might be the deal, but I think we can be rest assured that it'll be fine. Again, you just hope that, you know, it'd probably be good for him to come back with Venezuela while he, while they're still out there. That way he can get some minutes, get a little bit of mat, match fitness before he comes back. And maybe, you know, again, you never want to see anybody test positive for COVID, but if you, if you do, you'd rather be <laughs> first vaccinated first vaccinated, and second, right. if you're an Atlanta United fan, you know, it keeps the minutes off the legs. He doesn't come back as exhausted, fatigued, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. Okay. I'll thank you. It. Thank you. You know, I'm um, sweating. <laughs> team team did struggle without him though and that brings us to joe patrick sports prime game time sports time game time sports joe did time, you get to listen game, to my time, time mm-hmm. sports prime game time sports prime game time sports game time time sports prime game 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 Time, Sports Prime Game Time, yeah. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe Patrick. Uh, the show note just says Cubo started, and boy did he. <laughs> boy did he. Uh, face planted out of the blocks here, I think, especially. I think it was like the fourth minute. Great little press break from Atlanta United. They they outlet and find Brooks Lennon on the wing in space. He plays in across. It gets over and past the first defender right to Cubo Torres, and it hits him in the face. <laughs> it was the press box laughed. That was the reaction. We did. That was the reaction. I mean, it was I tried ugly. To, I, I like laughed and tried to hide under my like <laughs> desk in front of me because I was just secondhand embarrassed. You feel it's one of those times where you feel bad for the player who's out there. It's like, oh, my gosh. But, <laughs> but I mean, you like when I walked into the press box, I had not seen the lineup and you were like and I, I think I had asked you or something. And you were like, uh, have you seen who's starting a striker? And immediately with you saying that I just knew what it was and it was not good and i don't understand why gabriel heinze chooses to select him um maybe it's he feels like he can't do with eric like eric lopez needs to be on the wing he's not capable of performing that role i don't know but it really just seems like eric lopez would be clearly the better option and even if he's not so if he's not then even if you don't want to start jackson maybe okay let's say you do want to start kubo you can still like get jackson conway in a little bit earlier i don't know anybody it's just like it just (laughs) At this point, I just want to see anybody else try somebody else. What? Five minutes of playing time actually got in a position and then put his head on the ball. It's right to Andre Blake, but he still got in position and actually didn't let it hit him in the face. It seems like an upgrade, you know? Yeah. I think I think Cubo is in there for for hold up play, right? Like that seems to kind of be the the general vibe I'm getting. He's fine at it. It's maybe something he's better at than Jackson. I thought we may see something maybe a little bit more unique. Maybe you move Eric Lopez in that central striker position. 
have Jake Mulraney in as a winger instead of Lopez, you know, something like that. But clearly they need to try something. Cuba Torres, one goal in 17 games for Atlanta United. That's just not getting done. And it's not like it's not like this is a front office thing or anything like that. I don't think anyone needs to be like too upset about it. You lost your first striker to a national team. You lost your second striker to basically brief, you know, so it's not something you can really plan for. It's not like other teams in MLS have a third striker. Who's like phenomenal. Most of them are minimum salary type guys like Kubo is, you know, Kubo. Right. Exactly. But when it's not working clearly like this, you do have to try something. Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to just like learning, (laughs) you know, just trying different things, just taking what you've learned from past mistakes and and correcting it. Right. Just would love to see a little bit more of that. Well, and the other thing is like just the final third play with this team is a, is a total mess or non-existent, however you want to phrase that. Right. It seems like all the chances that are coming are coming from Brooks Lennon crosses or, you know, mainly most of them are Brooks Lennon crosses, but then, and then some other crosses as well. But there's nothing really interesting or incisive happening centrally in the final third. And I think that that's why people can see it. And they're a little bit worried uh, about about that. And it makes it so that when you're keeping all this possession during a game, it actually makes you more frustrated about all the possession because it's just leading to absolutely nothing. And it's like if you I think you'd rather not have so much possession if it were to lead to better chances. Uh, So it's it's really tough. And you know, one thing that struck me in this game is that Atlanta can uh, find chances for themselves when they have a lead. Well, as soon as they took the lead in that game, all of a sudden they had counterattacking opportunity after counterattack opportunity. Of course, they weren't able to take advantage of any of those either. And again, it's all kind of part of the same picture of the struggles in the final third with Ezekiel Barco either making. It seems like every time he had a decision to make, it was either way too early or he chose to pick the decision way too early or far too late. And it totally kind of stifled anything. Marcelino Moreno, again, was very average, I guess. Lots of poor shot very selections average, when uh, there was other passes on for a better opportunity. Um, those are the those are the troubling aspects of where this team is right now. And it's it's just frustrating to watch it happen over and over again this late into the season. Well, it's strange because I thought they were better in transition yesterday. Definitely. Oh, I really yeah. did. Like, like the, their opportunities were there. They were at least getting numbers forward. There were were chances that could have been theoretically created, right? Because they did have numbers advantage. They did have defenders scrambling a little bit. It's just the fact that the dudes weren't making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, Toyota football sent us a bunch of screenshots last night from like really poorly <laughs> like considered shots on a rampage. <laughs> exactly. Like Microsoft paint, like circling three open people as Ezekiel Barco. He's like, uh, the, it's, the it's ball always into it's, four it's like people. the always sunny. He's got like, he's got printed out pictures like <laughs> posted against the wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that part at least was good. At least they were attempting to do such a thing, which is something that I've been complaining about, Mm -hmm. you know, that they hadn't been able to do. It's just that it kind of comes back to the ability there to actually make anything happen when they do. And for now, it's not in the decision making isn't there, which is probably the most frustrating part. I think we all got frustrated with Zeke yesterday, who was getting into those positions and found a lot of space. He was kind of drifting centrally and kind of finding a gap right near midfield where he was able to get the ball as an outlet and really take off and sprint towards the back line, which is extremely encouraging. Right. But he would make the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. You know, he would make the wrong decision, just plain and simple. And I think he did it at one point and I sent him the slack and it was just angry and said, I think Zeke sucks. Just says something really grumpy and (laughs) pedantic and childish like that. 
And <laughs> Josh Bagriansky was like, no, he's the entire offense right now. And I went, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> you know? So it's it's frustrating to watch that. It's one of those things, again, we, we know what Zeke is at this point. We know who he is. We know what kind of player he is with this team. And it's just a, a player who who can't make that decision when it really matters. Um, so that's frustrating. Uh, Marcelino, you kind of looked at me at one point in the game, and I forget how you phrased it, but it was basically, I don't think Marcelino is a dude. <laughs> and I, I think he might be right, but maybe he'll like turn into a decent TAM player with better players around him. But that's a future thought, right? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have those guys around him right now. So right now you have a bunch of guys struggling struggling in the final third to to really get things together and i don't know where that changes until the personnel changes right yeah no it, it you know you mentioned marcelino moreno i wonder if he is like an emerson Ironman uh type of player or you would be more suited to that role the thing is that the data has shown that he loses the ball quite a bit because he attempts a ton of dribbles marcelino moreno does one of his favorite things to do is try to dribble past somebody and he's actually very good at it but generally it's not a uh low risk attempt you know like winning a dribble is pretty tough um but I do wonder, he does seem to have a tendency to like pull back and be just more reserved than I want him to be. So I, unless he's like in the box and he's taking a, a shot that he shouldn't be taking, I wonder if he might be better in a more resor- reserved role. I will. Uh, one other thing that you mentioned was that like the, the counterattacks actually looked good up until the decision. And I think one of the reasons for that, you got to give credit to George Bellow and Brooks Lennon. And it was really interesting to see what they were doing. The, part of it is the way they were positioned. Um, they were so central. You know, we talked about them almost playing as like a central midfielder at times. And there were like there were two or three times where I'm like typing on my computer. I look up and George Bellow is just sprinting down the middle of the field with the ball. (laughs) Something I don't know if I can recall seeing before, but I don't hate it. Best one. And it led to a chance Uh, was when George went straight down the middle. And then I looked at someone running on the left and went, wait, who is that? Oh, it's Brooks. (laughs) Right back. Cool. They were just okay. going wild. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because normally like a, a wing back role is a very kind of structured role where you're just kind of on the touchline providing the width. You know, you, you have very structured uh, passes that, that you the coaches would want you to make. But these guys are just kind of going all over the place. And I think it is causing other teams a little bit of difficulty tracking them around and trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do. And honestly, like when George Bella takes a shot, I'm not displeased with because I always feel like he has one of the best <laughs> chances of actually scoring i just have a thought and it's 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 somewhat upsetting but is it a bad thing that they're being asked to do this because maybe there's the thought that they are the only people going forward that can yeah right now you know maybe that's concerning maybe maybe in a world where this team has a little more uh attacking third prowess up top right like they aren't being asked to these things that are more of a addition to the weapons rather than the entire weapon. Right. I don't know. Something to maybe think about, right. It it is interesting. They're being used so well or so interestingly, you know, and I'm not sure that's a good thing necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. Probably doesn't speak well to, uh, to the rest of the team that or especially the attackers that they're kind of required to do that kind well, of thing. But do you remember uh, that thing? I always think about MLS is back where they had the mics on the managers, right? Mm-hmm. During the, the huddles during the water breaks and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And Frank DeBoer is basically like, all right, 
get the ball to George. It was like the 17 year old, you know, and they couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, things did not go well at MLS's back, just so everyone knows, right? But that was the option. Yeah. That was the option they had. Yeah. And so that's that's frustrating to, to think about, right? When when George could be doing other things, it's frustrating to think about because it feels like there is so much talent in, I guess, what you would call a, a, that back five with Santiago, Anton, Miles. Brooks and George and it's made even more frustrating by the fact that they seem to be really 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 talented up until about the 80th minute of soccer games Mm, yeah definitely I mean we'll talk about that a little bit later because I think we have some questions about kind of at the ends of the games unless did I put it up here now um I think they're this team is having a problem it's it was okay let me say it like this this seems to me like a team that drills very hard in training. You know, we've talked to players about the whole buildup. Uh, Tata Martino was very strong on that. That's all they did. And I feel like that's still probably a lot of what they do is trying to drill down that kind of more broad philosophy and some of the things that they need to do at the back to build up the play. But I don't get and, and, and with a core set of players, but I don't get the impression that this team is able to adjust very well to things that happen on the fly. You know, um, Gary Smith in that national game put on, you know, just like threw on strikers essentially. And the team didn't really know how to deal with it. And I feel like this team is not set up to adjust very well. They're very good at being able to execute the core, you know, the, the core competencies that they have. But then once they have to start adjusting for things like that national game, or obviously the game yesterday uh, when they did change the shape and they, they, well, not the shape, but they adjusted some of the personnel within the shape. Um, They just weren't able to execute the way that they have shown when they start games. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've been told by former players that Tata Martino was one of the best in game and second yeah. half adjustment managers they've think, ever played. Was under. it Parkey that said that? Probably, I think probably so. everybody that has think, probably yeah, said something exactly. like that. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think that's the case, right? And so maybe when you don't have that, and maybe Gabby can be that, but he, he's maybe not as experienced as Tata, you know, maybe this is kind of what happens, right? Like you, you lose these adjustments that, that make things kind of click at the end, but it's something that you have to learn, right? Like you mm-hmm. have to learn how to, to kill these games off. Right. You have to understand that, that when you're up to nothing, that you can't just shut down. And it's, again, that's the frustrating thing right now is to see that. And we'll explain a little bit more about why we think that happened. I think in the questions, like Joe said, but either way, it's, it's something that needs to be corrected. And I also wonder if, you know, again, going back to those guys, I wonder if having a guy like Parkey, a guy like Jeff Lorenowitz, two like real veterans who know exa- who are very tactically astute, uh, can help organize the side. And even if it's not exactly what Tata was telling them before the game, they just know the adjustments to make the proper things to do on the field that's going to prevent goals, <laughs> you know, whether the coach told them to do it or not. Um, and I just wonder if maybe there's that same amount of, I don't want to say leadership, because I don't think that there's necessarily that lacking but just like that veteran know-how to get the job done at at the ends of games um so it'll be interesting to see how that if they can improve in that i mean they have to they have to get better at in these situations if they want to make the playoffs yeah something to consider is that the the oldest player on the back line it's one of the center backs but they're all 24 oh (laughs) right (laughs) yeah brooks is 23 george is what 19 now yeah and Santi is 21. So it's a lot of youth. And it's not even, yeah, it's a lot it's, of youth, youth there. Yeah. And not even a ton of experience. Like Miles is 24, but he's been playing in MLS for three years. Yeah. So it's not even like he's been around for uh, as long as some guys could be. So it'll be an interesting wanna, point. What's that? And something that really hits home when I, which again is kind of the crux of what we'll talk about later. Uh, when 
Alan Franco comes in in that back three and starts trying to set the line and be like the director and everything like that. And he's kind of got the same somewhat level of experience and maybe is the newest MLS player in that group right you know and so when Mm -hmm. he's out there trying to direct and everything like that maybe it's not too surprising when things struggle in the beginning like this yeah yeah um one other thing i gotta gotta say talk about guzan um obviously spilling that save you gotta give him credit he basically saved a goal in the 17th minute and that's honestly the kind of save that he's capable of making but it's really hard to look past the big mistakes uh it seems like especially this year he's he's made a few you know and um ones like happen those that happened yesterday are going to cost atlanta uh that one clearly cost them points it's it's frustrating to talk about because it's like what are you gonna do exactly right it's like you know, well nothing yeah he's gonna be the goalkeeper is, next time reality, and he's gonna have the same know? challenges yeah exactly and it, it, it makes it even more difficult when you look across the way and see andre blake doing andre blake things or maybe you watched matt turner just go bonkers this weekend against nycfc and win new england the game essentially Atlanta doesn't have that, and it doesn't make it any easier for that young back line when the goalkeeper, who is the elder statesman of that entire group, right, isn't able to keep up ability-wise, you know, and that's just an indication from the stats, and, and now it's it's really starting to come in with the eye test as well. But what are you going to do? And it's one of those things where, you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, we, they should have defended better. The team should have defended better, not giving up the shot that allowed the spilled save. And that's totally fair. But then but the reason you have goalkeepers is to cover your ass in situations like that, where you don't always play perfectly defensively and you leave somebody open at the top of the box for a shot. That's where you hope, you know, and again, that's a save that should be made 100 out of 100 times. Is that is that fair? I mean, now I seen it, it was just kind of pretty low on the. It was low, close to him. That's how I remember it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, haven't I, seen think, it I think it's it a little bit of deflection. Okay, a little bit of deflection. You had to correct a little bit. Ah, that's little right. Bit. It did. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, so maybe not the easiest. It, easiest it can't save, spill. But, yeah, right there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, and I think that's pretty fundamental. Yeah, for the most part. Did you see? So, did you see uh, they awarded a man of the match right after that? Or he was like, did, he was like I, hammering I, in the spike cackle it, like also brooks lennon got some award as well <laughs> they, and he like smiled for the picture yeah <laughs> like really did like did i see, get did you see the why? video where he like smiles and then just like immediately it's like the the that that yes, smile it was literally that. turned upside down <laughs> it was literally that like he like it's like okay i gotta be in character yeah. and i'm yeah, angry and i'm gonna God. go yell at someone <laughs> in craft services now it was incredible acting <laughs> performance really was joe i want to ask you this real quick and we can do this as quickly as possible to not get to media nasal cavey but speaking of brooks lennon only player who spoke to media Mm. after the game just one player and some folks have kind of taken this as an indication of of a larger issue i'm not quite sure what to make of it to be totally honest Mm, yeah you know it's interesting because in past years i kind of said it as a joke at the time i saw i was like this is why they can't this is why they need to resign gressel you know so so Uh you so you talk to us after something like this happened but kind of for real like kind of seriously like you know it was important for players like gressel players like jeff lorenowitz and parkhurst like these were guys that would talk to us regularly when things didn't go great um and there isn't there isn't really somebody on the team that's that person it's it's brad guzan and brooks lennon that's who it is and george bellow is starting to be thrust into that role unfortunately there's already been a little bit too many sad press conferences um post game pressers <laughs> than you would have hoped 
But yeah. um, you know, it's just a tough situation. There aren't as, as many natural speakers and charismatic guys, I feel like, on this team. Yeah, it's a quiet group. We've kind of mentioned that before. And I also want to put Leandro in that group that would talk uh, to, to us as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I yeah. think he was usually pretty good about that. Keep in mind, too, it's over Zoom. It's much less impersonal. You know, I, I don't know how much I'd be willing to go talk to a bunch of disembodied voices after a, an upsetting loss. Mm-hmm. So maybe don't put a ton into it if it continues to be a thing. Maybe that's an indication of some larger frustrations. But for now, maybe don't look too much into it. Do look a ton into our Lorenowitz man Thanks of the match. These are your unsung Heroes, Joe Patrick, do you have a Lorenowitz man? Uh, mine would be, I, well, I guess I got to give it to whoever I give man of the match to um, in the player ratings, which is Brooks Lennon for reasons. For reasons. Yeah, sure. Why not? I guess. Uh, Miles Robinson, but not Miles Robinson, the center back. Miles Robinson, the number 10. Love it. Yep. You know, because he's legitimately the best playmaker on the team. He right had now. A- he, yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had one he had one pass in the first half that was like a, he like slipped it vertically to Brooks Lynn. He may have had two of them, but there was definitely one where people in the press box were like, ooh, <laughs> it was it was really <laughs> well, nice. <laughs> the one that stuck out for me was the one where he started dribbling around people and then got around the dude near the touchline, cut inside and then played a ball into space into the 18 yard box. That was phenomenal. It was a, it was the type of vision that no one else on this team god dang has right now (laughs) and i remember it because i literally looked around to see if anyone else was looking and was like was that miles because i didn't process (laughs) i need to see the replay on that yeah phenomenal Um, so miles robinson the 10 turning himself into uh quality number 10 i think he leads mls or he did lead mls coming into this week and uh passes that lead, lead to shots uh, among center backs. So if he doesn't make the gold cup roster, we riot. If he isn't oh, sold absolutely. for like 15 million this summer at that point, we riot. I mean, <laughs> I think he's Atlanta United's phenomenal. best player. I would say he's Atlanta United's Easy. best player. And that I was, that includes Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Right now. I think I'd agree. I think I'd agree. Hopefully he's around for long enough for it to really matter. Yeah. We'll see. No kidding. We'll see. Hopefully you guys are long enough or around long enough to get to the questions that matter after this quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that would be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large. And uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched. And it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh some modern world clothes Hi, joe patrick the people had questions after that phenomenal break maybe the best break possibly the greatest break to ever exist in the history 
of breaks. First one comes from Tracks Dodge on Twitter. It says, look, they sacrificed their win for the Hawks yesterday. Truly a stunning move. I do appreciate the bravery and stepping up <laughs> and making sure that everyone fulfilled their end of the bargain yesterday in Atlanta. The impressive stuff, really. I got a shout out to Ron, Ronald Pena from Pulso Sports who said uh, Atlanta United walks so the Hawks can run. And he spelled <laughs> it like walks. It was, I thought it, was, it was a good dad joke. It was it's a good clever. dad joke. It's good. I like it. I like it. Uh, John Leach on the Discord asked, how many times do we have to watch Zeke run at defenders with the ball and acres of space before we realize it's not going to work out for him in Atlanta? Well, I mean, we realized that like a year ago. I don't know. Uh, he makes the wrong decision in the final third every time. It seems it's <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad someone else is, is seeing it. You know, it's it's so it's wildly apparent in stadium too. We kind of have like a, a behind the ball view, especially when they're running towards the supporter section in that glass end there. And you can see where the pass should go at times. This happened a lot in the second half when they were getting a transition a lot. You should you can see where the pass theoretically should go. Mm-hmm. It normally does go. You kind of get used to the rhythms of how these things work, especially having watched the first two years of Atlanta United, right? And they just aren't going there and they aren't going there quick enough. He did make the right decision a few times, but maybe not as quick as you would have liked. And obviously not the result you would have liked. You almost wonder if Zeke, if it's running through his head, that it's not going to work out for him. Like while he's, <laughs> if he's like, this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> like he's running with the ball yeah. going, who am I? Why am I doing <laughs> yeah. this? What is a yeah, ball? He, like, Why do we call he it goes a ball? external. Yeah. He has like a, not, a, I don't know if it's a panic attack, but yeah, he kind of see, yeah. He, he realizes his time and space and consciousness. Yeah. Zeke Barco is the whale realizing its existence <laughs> yes. falling down to earth from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. As he has exactly. the ball. That's how yeah. it feels when he's on a, when he's on a break. <laughs> okay it's, well i i mean that that's just kind of what it is what it is and i don't know how many more times i don't know he did get named to the u23 olympic roster am i right in saying that yeah the preliminary i think the it's preliminary. a pre- preliminary okay. roster because he was just on the with the u23s um playing against saudi arabia i think and some other team in somewhere in europe so yeah so maybe maybe he goes to the Olympics uh, and maybe that's the last we we hear from him. Honestly, yeah. we'll see. We'll have we'll something see. on D- Dirty South Soccer soon about players um, that will be missing time. Obviously, we've already had a couple, but uh, with the Olympics and some of these other tournaments that aren't usual, uh, we'll just get that so we can get it on paper and have a reference for everybody. You know, somebody threw it out there, I think, in our Slack saying that it's potentially Barco. If Barco is sold in the transfer window, he could potentially have played his last game with Joseph already because by mm-hmm. the time Joseph comes back, then Barco will be um, soon leaving for this Olympics thing. So possibly, possibly could happen. It's been weirdly quiet. I don't know. I wonder, I'm expecting more leaks coming soon, especially as you kind of get towards the transfer window. Very quiet. Maybe not leaks, just kind of rumors. Because like it's such an easy line to draw from point A to point B on that one. Right. Yeah. So seems like the Club America rumor was the strongest one that we've seen, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I still am not unsure how substantial it is, but it's a move that I think theoretically makes sense. But I mean, that's a whole, whole nother discussion as to where he's going to go. Let's move on to this whole other discussion because it is a whole other discussion. This question comes from Jacob. Good question. It's what we've been hitting about this entire time. He says, would love to hear y'all's thoughts on the Alan Franco situation. So fascinating to me. Heinze really wanted him, right? But he's a DP that's barely seen the field, and rightfully so, because walks has been awesome. Just odd to me. And again, this is like one of those things that you can't blame the front office for, right? Because Gabriel Heinze wanted this person. Mm -hmm. This is the person that he demanded they really kind of get. They needed 
a center back and it's not anyone's fault involved that Anton walks has turned into a better player than any of us really realized. Right. Yeah, I, totally. I don't know what to do about it. Honestly, it, it's such a weird and strange conundrum to be in. It may be one of those things where when miles leaves, at least you have Alan Franco there to kind of pick up where that left off. But right now it's weird. And yesterday it was even weirder when he came on and things kind of went to shit. Mm hmm. You know, it's this is a great question. It's something that I've been talking to you about off of the podcast, off air, just about, you know, where the hell is Alan Franco? Is he ever going to play? What position is he going to play? Um, I kind of threw it out there when we were just spitballing, you know, what the lineups might look like without Emerson Hyndman and some of these pieces that are missing, whether I thought that potentially he could play as like a right back. Um, and that way you just alleviate a little bit of responsibility and let him, um, you know, it's just a, there's less risk uh, at playing right back. You can you know make a little bit more mistakes and not be totally screwing over the team. But, you know, clearly he is a center back and that's where Gabriel Heinze played him when he put him in the game yesterday, played him as the central center back, actually. Uh, for Santiago Sosa but yeah I mean it's it's not great that he's still um, kind of out of sorts like even when he came on yesterday you could see he there was one time I noticed when there was a ball that came bouncing to him he was the last defender back and Guzan was kind of asking for it he's like you know just play it back to me I'll take it on my feet and we can build a possession but then he just booted it out and then he turned around and he and Guzan kind of were like you know couldn't hear you or miscommunication or whatever and it's these kinds of things that need to get sorted out um, before he's going to be you know a true uh, a really solid player for this team and honestly it's something that um, maybe we took for granted a little bit when you look at a guy like Leandro Gonzalez Perez who came in here and didn't really have many of those problems that I can remember it seemed like when he came in it was like he had everything and maybe it was almost maybe it's more down to Michael Parker who was actually able to pick up on um, some of the instruction from Tata Martino uh, and there was like less of a barrier that way but um, yeah I don't know it's uh, it's it's not great and again you you said it like we wanted the front office before the season to support Gabriel Heinze and what he wanted. And I think that fans, most fans would have said the same thing, you know, let Gabriel Heinze choose what he wants to do with this roster, give him that kind of freedom. And so you do. Um, but now, yeah, who, who know who knows how this ends up happening? So you, you can't really blame the process too much. Of course, Alan Franco was the third center back that they kind of went after, which is a little bit out of the club's hands. But I don't know. At least you have, you know, walks is keeping him out of the lineup, essentially. So you still have two good center backs back there. It just feels like a waste of resources to have a designated player sitting on the bench. Exactly. That's what makes it frustrating, right? Especially when the, the team's needs are so clearly in attack. And, but again, it's gosh, it's just another bad break. Uh, there's just been so many little bad breaks and some big bad breaks for Atlanta this year. It's been a rough year zero, but let's talk specifically about what went wrong yesterday when Alan Franco came in. When Alan Franco comes in, Franco Abara comes out of the midfield. They shift to a back three. Sosa moves up into the midfield a little bit, and it's definitely absolutely not a coincidence that there was a ton of space in the middle of the field, both for the goal that came from the rebound, the, the shot that turned into a rebound for Corey Burke and in the second goal from Jacob Glesnes, who literally like ran, ran, kept expecting someone <laughs> to step up to him. No one did. Ran a little bit more, thought about it, said, yeah, but, but shoot. Yeah, I mean, I, and to me, that is kind of on the midfield, you know, 
but it, but it all connects right it all it all has it there's all there's like a it's like a chain and when you insert franco uh alan franco you know you're moving pieces around and then obviously then santiago sosa is playing a different role that he's not used to and i'm not sure i haven't looked back at the goals and i haven't seen exactly like what player was responsible for marking you know which player but it's just it, it's it's frustrating that this team is not able to adapt to those situations and be able to execute and not really you don't even have to do anything that special you're you're just trying to prevent a goal from being scored and you you would think like naturally intuitively that throwing on a center back would actually help you in that regard um but again when you play when you change guys out of different roles it throws everything into a bit of chaos it is the worst position to come in and try to control the game with and you kind of talk to, you hear from players you hear from coaches and stuff like that but you hear from defenders especially Coming in that substitute role as a center back especially is extremely tough because you have to organize yourself and acclimate yourself to a game that other people have already acclimated to, right? Like you cannot come in and kind of impose your will on the game. You're having to react. And when you're reacting as a defender, that's never a good thing, right? And so the reactions yesterday were to scramble a bit, to not really know exactly what the process was. And I thought it was interesting. I think Gabby mentioned that they had worked on this a little bit during the week. And clearly that and clearly that wasn't enough, right? Like that was not executed well, directed well, uh, because there was so much confusion. To support your point, I want to give a personal anecdote a little bit. When you said that about being so tough to acclimate yourself to the game coming in, and the speed of it and all it reminds me of being in high school and like my first couple of years playing high school football I didn't play so I was just essentially standing on the sideline the whole game and every once in a while like the play would come over to you like you know there would be like a wide run out to the sideline and when those players like came to the sideline it was like a whole different level of energy it was like you could and, and this is high school football it's not like they were actually moving that fast um and it's just a different it's just so it's just a different level. It's almost you can't explain it really um, just with the adrenaline and the endorphins that everybody out there is feeling. And then to just kind of come in cold, obviously, you've warmed up your body a little bit with some warm ups, but it's just it's very difficult to get yourself up to that speed that quickly in that kind of position. Not only that, he got put in as the central center back in a back three and seemed to my to my perspective, right, to be the one setting the line to be the one directing, right? Like I, I saw him make the motions to to set the line and everything like that. I saw Anton and Miles King on where he was as he stepped forward and back and everything like that. And so he was essentially directing traffic in a race that had already started and he just kind of stepped out and started waving flags around to direct cars, right? Mm. And it led to like a, a 20 car pile up. So there you go. It's it's tough to do. It's rough. And I'm not sure what the overall takeaway is as far as his situation, other than like it's really hard to come in as a center back. Um, so I don't know. I feel like if he ever plays in a back three with those two other center backs again, I think you got to play him on the right side. You got to play him in the position where he's most comfortable. And I think that, my, you know, Miles has experience playing as the central center back that he did like he did under Frank DeBoer, where he was named to MLS best 11. So I think that he's clearly comfortable there. We've seen Miles Robinson. He's improved as, as a distributor. He actually also has one of the highest success rates, maybe the highest success rate in MLS 
in long passing, which is you know a, a kind of vital for that role in possession. We've seen Santiago Sosa do it all the time, spraying those balls out to the wings. Um, and so I want Alan Franco to play in a position where he is most comfortable and where he honestly like doesn't have to really do anything uh, like what you were just talking about in terms of like directing the back lines up. That's not where I want a brand new player to this team. You know, I want the players who are um, doing a lot of the communicating and things like that. I want those to be players who have been here and know exactly what they're doing. Guys like Santiago Sosa, Miles Robinson, Anton Walks, whoever it is. You know, I just, it seems for it seems like the wrong move to put a guy like Alan Franco in that position. It's one of the reasons why I said maybe you play him at right back just because he's kind of not so much responsibility is kind of thrust on his shoulders and he can kind of acclimate himself to the game, to the team, to the league, all that stuff. He needs game time, though, I feel like to get himself used to everything. Yeah, it's, it's a conundrum. It's a mess. It really is. But we kind of have to hope that it gets sorted out. I want to ask this as well. Do you think, and this is just a thought, do you think that the man marking has anything to do with the team becoming tired at the end of games and potentially contributing to these lapses? Were we talking about this before or after the result happened yesterday? Because we... That's a great question. Because we mentioned, we were saying like, one of the things about man marking all over the field, I, I think, I don't know who said it, but somebody was like, you know, it seems like it's a waste of energy at some point to be chasing guy around all over the place when he's not really needed you could you could protect yourself in a way that isn't exerting so much energy and i i do wonder if that's leading to some fatigue down you know down the stretch and it makes you have to remove a guy like uh like franco abara um who was a player who was having a really good game for you yesterday um and being that kind of disruptor in the middle of the field yeah i I think it's definitely worth asking to clarify that's Kind of what's happening in the midfield for the most part right now with this team is they are picking up guys in midfield and man marking through it and having to run up and, and keep up with them and expend energy. And then you get to the end of the game and the Glessness goal is one of those classic man marking goals where a guy just gets free and other people have other responsibilities and there's a whole lot of space to run through. You'll kind of remember maybe the the famous uh, Jordan Morris goal against San Jose last year where he just kept running and kept running and kept running and <laughs> no one really was able to pick him up. Same kind of thing, right? They they man marked. It's like, it's like a quarterback scrambling in man coverage, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. We'll see if it continues to be a pattern. I think the biggest thing they need to learn is just how to, you know, shit house, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just the kill hearts. a game. Yep. Just kill a game. That's all they need to learn how to do. It, it shouldn't be that difficult to hold a two nothing lead. I think we kind of addressed all, all of the questions all at once there. A bunch of people were asking questions about this. I always want to give them shout outs. Chris H from the discord, the life aquatic on Twitter, Niall Faruqi, who's on Twitter and, in, and as a patron. Um, yeah. Rubio slim asked about the, substitution so yeah thank you guys for sending all those in it's some definitely something to keep tabs on and it seems gonna have to figure out how to integrate alan franco into this team it's definitely something to keep tabs on it's also time to keep tabs on joe's heart rate this is rapid fire john neeson ask thoughts on elo's penalty shout i'm fine with it not being given although it was close and i think did, did heinze say they didn't look at it on var or just that he maybe var checked it and just didn't think it was nothing doing i guess they checked everything but he caught him pretty heavy. I don't know. It, it seemed kind of 50-50 to Didn't, me. I he kicked given. the ball out of bounds pretty quickly as he was getting caught. Is that what happened? I can't even remember exactly. I can't even remember I, I want to say the reason point. they didn't call Rapid it was because the ball was uh, heavy uh, touch. Sanford asked, do you really think we can sell Barco this summer? I think you're probably going to have to eat some money. I'm going to be totally honest at this point. Yeah, it was a good question. I, it's a really good question. I think that it, should they? Like, uh, 
I think that they should eat money to get him off the books. I think that would help this team. Jose Barrios asked, why has the team not moved away from Bocanegra in his signings? That's a, this is a, you put this in rapid fire. <laughs> Uh, uh, how yeah, do I answer this succinctly? Um, um, he did a good job the first time around. Maybe he can do it again. <laughs> He's still under contract. I don't know. Yeah, we need to do a show where we just literally look at every signing that's been made, assess a grade, do it or something, and then try to come to some conclusion. But why is they not? Why have they not moved away from Bocanegra? Is because he's got a contract that ends after this season. So maybe they will after this season. Maybe they won't. I guess that will tell us a lot about what they think about him. Who knows? Johnny Drama asked, "Do we even have a player on the team who can hit a banger like that?" What? What does this mean? I don't want to say this. Oh, is I think this that a was. I, no, I think that was from an emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I think that automatically. <laughs> Woozy face. Oh, I thought he was calling him a woozy face. I was like, <laughs> this is probably something that's not appropriate. I, I don't know what this is. It's an emoji. There could we anybody, go, folks. Could anybody hit a banger? Yes, for Zeke did. We already did this. He hit like the same shot. That's true. Just he a did. lot more clumsily. He did. And it still went in. Uh, Pierce asked, most pressing need this summer, new eight or winger? I think it's the wing. I think, yeah, I think it's still the winger. That, yeah. that final third is a mess. Bar asked, which Kevin Herter shot in game seven against the Sixers was your favorite? Mine was like this little fadeaway he did near the baseline that I was like, that's a stupid shot. And then it went right in. <laughs> Mine was the uh, the cross leg step back three at the top of the arc from um, I think it was like at the end of the second half or the first half. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Shout out Red Velvet. Shout out Rapid Fire. That was Rapid Fire. Joe, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, When's the next game? <laughs> Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday. Hopefully it's better than yesterday. Need to get I this taste it, out of my mouth. Yeah, well, go check out the Patreon. I'll have a preview up for NYC FC. They've been struggling somewhat, but they've been playing a lot of really good teams. They kind of ran into Columbus and NYC or in New England and LAFC here over the last few games. They're a really good team. I don't expect good things to happen in that game, to be totally honest. So check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash five stripe final. Joe? Yeah, we'll have, and again, I was just joking. We'll have previews and all the normal stuff up for Wednesday's game. So, um, yeah. Beautiful. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all.